Father, we bless you for all that you are unto us and all that you do in our midst, in our families, in our lives, in this church. Be thou glorified and exalted for thou alone art worthy. We pray that, Lord, the eternal spirit of the living God will inspire, convict, edify us, and equip us. In Jesus' name, Amen. The book of Revelation The missing dimension Pergamos Part 7 The book of Revelation The missing dimension Part 7 Today Pergamos Or Pergamon And some people say Pergamon Even Pegamos, Pegaman, some people say Pegaman, don't know why. We'll have quite a few readings here. By God's grace, this topic will be taught, this one, in two parts. Today and next time God will. <coughs> Our main reading will be in Revelation chapter 2. Verse 12 to 17. That's Revelation chapter 2, verse 12 to 17. <clears throat> and to the angel of the church of Pergamos write, This thing says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast my name, and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. 14. But I have this, I have a few things against you. Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak, to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Verse 15. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of Nicolaitans, which things I hate. 16. Repent. Or else I will come to you quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him overcomes, I will give some of the hidden man to eat. And I will give him a white stone. And white on the stone a new name, written which no one knows except him who receives it. Amen. <clears throat> Pegamos, or Pegamum as I say, means married to power. 
or elevated, exalted through marriage. The idea here is the idea of someone getting united to someone who is, um, let's say, of an upper class. And then this person here from the lower class, because of the union with someone from a different class here, this person is elevated through marriage because they've entered into marriage with someone from an upper class or someone far powerful, more powerful. All in all, that means mixed marriage. This church has been known as the compromising church. From the 4th to the 6th century AD. As such, the main characteristic of this church is mixture. Some, if not most, Historians have seen here the union of the church and the state. Mixture. Mixed marriage. Exchange of favor. You protect me, I protect you. Yet in the Bible, in the New Testament, Whenever an apostle appeared before a political authority or the judiciary, it was either to be thrown into prison or to be killed. Parallel. There was no link. It wasn't possible. Remember I told you a few years ago that there was a whole dynasty, dynasty or dynasty? Dynasty? dynasty. Okay. That we are showing. Okay. I can choose. Okay. Dynasty of people who live only to fight the people of God. Such was the case for the Herodians. All of them, they lived to fight the people of God. Okay. You see, the way the Lord introduces himself to each church gives us an indication of what is happening in that church. The Lord presents himself here as the one who has the sharp two-edged sword. 
we know what that means from Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 the Word of God remember to the church of Smyrna he presented himself as the one who was dead and was alive and that church was going to go through a lot of suffering including death and he promised them crown of life so the way the Lord presented himself to a church also explains or alerts us, gives us a hint of what is happening or the topic. The one who has a two-edged sword. Mm. Interesting. I know your work. I almost overlook this sentence in every, almost every church. I know your work. I know your condition. I know your situation. I know what you're going through. I know. God knows. God knows. I know your works. I know the condition of where you are established, where you are located, and the Lord reveals there is where Satan has his throne. What a revelation for them. Maybe these believers thought they were just, yes, engaged in spiritual warfare and battle, etc., but maybe did not realize the the intensity, the gravity of the situation. Mm. The Lord said, no, where you are is where Satan has his throne. Mm. Where you are. <clears throat> and when the Lord commends them <clears throat> for standing firm and remaining steadfast even in the day when Antipas was killed, the Lord reiterated again. That's in verse 13, toward the end. When my faithful mother, who Antipas, my faithful mother, who was killed among you, where Satan dwelt. Emphasis. In other words, you are engaged in a very, very intense, fierce battle. Things are not just happening randomly. The throne of Satan, where he dwells, in Pegasus. Pegasus. Now, Pegasus had many pagan temples. Many, 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 many. Athena, the goddess of wisdom. Bacchus, the god of festivals. Escalate the god serpent of health. Now, people used to go in pedals to seek healing, all sorts of healing. A lot of pagan attractions in that city. A lot of uh, demonic presence. So, paganism was so widespread that they ended up as a city worshipping the devil and that became his headquarter. 
Because of the widespread worship of the devil, the city of Pegamos became his headquarter. But still the Lord raised a church in the midst of all that idolatry. And the church made a difference for God. The church felt intense opposition from idol worshippers, but resisted. Even when some of them were killed for refusing to bow at the altar of Zeus in Pegamos. So the big altar of Zeus or Jupiter in Roman mythology is the same. It's bare. It's the same. You know, has his big altar there. <clears throat> Even the emperor went to worship there. Now, if you refuse to bow down and worship there, you were killed on the same altar. Church of Jesus Christ remained steadfast. People were being killed. And the Lord commanded them so they did not drop the faith in Him. Now, if the Lord said, even in the day when my faithful martyr Antipas was killed, well, that's something quite specific. Revelation 17, verse 6, we see something there. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saint and with the blood of the mother of Jesus Christ. The reason I quoted that is because I want to show you that not all the killings are martyrs. Now, in this passage, Revelation 17, verse 6 here, it makes a difference between the killing of the saints and the killing of the martyrs. See, people like Polycarp, people like Antipas, those are martyrs. Why? Because of the way they were killed. They were killed with a purpose to deter the believers. To completely destroy the Christian faith. And those people were killed publicly as a drama for Jesus Christ. People are being killed as well for their faith, but sometimes in the prisons, far from watch people watching them. But this one were put in a public spectacle. The killing of the saints and the killing of the martyrs by that woman. But we're still a long way from that one. If they got a lot of months before we get there, by God's grace, we'll get there. I just want to show you the importance of distinguishing the two. Martyrdom, I don't have a word. But if I say it's a gift, I won't be far from the truth. Some people are specifically called to martyrdom. And we need wisdom. John Bunyan was accused of trying to force martyrdom. To try to force martyrdom. 
He wasn't called to march in the battle. He was trying to force. And the authority tried to avoid because they knew that if they killed him, he will produce something. And he was and people say, history say he tried to force. But the people who are appointed to be Jesus Christ martyr, I'm telling you, the political authority won't miss them. They will kill them in the most horrible way in order to intimidate the rest of the church. That's what happened in Pergamos, but the believers were steadfast and the Lord commanded them for that. I remember a good brother of mine telling me that uh, sometimes our authority in the West pretends, pretends to condemn what is happening in North Korea. And he said to me, they just lack like the opportunity to do the same with Christians. Because of the hatred against the Holy One. He said, they just wait for the opportunity to do exactly the same, if not worse. 600 years BC, before Christ, after years of rebellion against God, the Israelites were driven captive from Jerusalem into exile in Babylon, where there was intense activity of demons, sorceries, and spells. That was the very place chosen by the devil to establish his world government in rebellion against God. A replica of the Tower of Babel was prominent there as a symbol of defiance against God, and there was the temple of Magic another name for Baal, the dragon god, an evil spirit worshipped by self-torture and human sacrifice. Now, in Babylon, a procession entrance to all these places was to be done through the Easter Gate. It's all history. It's all there. It's all history. Go in libraries, go on British Encyclopedia, Wikipedia, it's all there. You will find more about that. Bible commentary, Easter Gate. So that's where you know the people pass in a processional way, way to go into that idolatry. The Easter Gate was the eighth gate to the inner city of Babylon, constructed around 575 BC by the order of King Nebuchadnezzar II on the north side of the city. It was part of, as I say, a grand world processional way leading into the city. Surely, the whole city was given to demons. And then they made the replica of the Tower of Babel to immortalize the rebellion toward God. So that was like the, the key attraction in the city. Now, 
you know what happened from the prophets of Daniel, how successive kingdoms and empire will fall, one after the other, yeah? From Babylon to Medes and Persian Empire, from the Greek Empire and the Romans. But the description about the fourth empire, that, that one is really terrifying. Daniel saw the fourth one was very, very terrifying, more than all the preceding, the previous three combined. That one was really terrifying. But actually Daniel reveals to us, by the Holy Spirit, that that Babylonian empire will not go away, will just be changing forms until they get to the Roman Empire. Now the things we're describing here were being moved. You know, each new power that besieged another empire that fell, that power will take all those things and continue the same. As if those things were actually the symbol of the power. The throne of Satan was moving from one place to another. We also learn from history that as one empire fell, a group of priests, Baal's priests, organized themselves to hide and move to where the power was moving, as if they needed them to continue to officiate with those thrones and altars that were going. No wonder things learned in Pegamos, that is uh, Turkey, in modern Turkey, those altars learned there. It was called the Pegamos altar. So there were two things, the Easter gate and the Pegamos altar, two things, main attractions. The Pegamos altar, also called altar of Zeus, is now part of the Berlin collection of classical antiquities and can be seen at the Pegamon Museum in Germany, in, in, in Berlin. People were burned on it for refusing to bow to it or to sacrifice. Now you know that uh, before the end of the Cold War there were two Germanys, one, one with the capital Berlin, the other one with Bonn. You say Bonn? Bonn. Okay, good. Now the Berlin side is the one that has imported every single piece of this idolatry, these things. They have excavated, excavated them, every single piece, and replicate and reproduce them in Germany, in the Berlin West East side. But the other side of Germany, both, remain friends of Israel. Lot of believers there who understand that they had to sign and bless Israel. And there was a lot of economic prosperity. Things have changed very quickly when Germany reunited again. The influence of this idolatrous side here influenced everything and things have gone the way you know. In 1913, when they finished, they bring all those things, they install, they open the museum, etc. One president in America said, oh, Germany has become 
the headquarters of Europe. Why? Because the power had now moved to Germany. As if it was now the capital of the Roman Empire to be revived. It's all coming. When the German will do all they can to make sure that the EU stands. They will intimidate any country that want to defect. Because that must remain united because of this prophetic unfolding of events. <clears throat> Germany is actually the center of Europe. But you see, in Strasbourg, I visited Strasbourg, I went inside the EU Parliament. It's big like the Tower of Babel. Beneath, I have pictures standing there. And then you have in Belgium, you have all the other symbols as described in Revelation 17, 18, etc. And then you have in Germany, you have this idolatrous thing we're talking about. So, in fact, the power has already shifted. And wherever those things are, that's the symbol of demonic power. At the time where the Apostle John was writing here, this reality was in pedals. No compassion. Total hatred against the believers. Killed them horribly in order to deter them and to have them to deny the Lord. But this church was commanded because they stood firm and they did not deny the Lord. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, dear brethren. We're not here to play. You hear me always saying that. We're not here to play. We're not here to joke. We are at war. We are at war. The devil knows you. I'm not intimidating you. I'm not making you be scared. Do you remember what he told the Lord? Where are you coming from? I'm coming from the earth to go to and fro. Have you noticed my servant Job? Yes, I've noticed. And he gave, de he gave details. He knew what Job had. We're not playing here. We are on the side of the Lord. The world hates the Lord. And he said, if they've done this to me, the green tree won't happen to you, dry woods, won't happen to you. Thank the Lord that the green tree was crucified on a dry wood to identify with us and give us his life. Earth of Aaron was blossoming again. There's victory in Jesus Christ, my friends. Don't play with fire. Let me hide myself in thee. Don't sit on the fence, it's very dangerous. You've chosen Christ, hide in Christ. Play with fire. Okay, so, remember, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, because you've done this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed, your descendants, and the seed of the woman. And the Bible clearly says that the seed of the woman is Jesus Christ, who was born of a woman, and then his descendants with him. So this is the greatest conflict of all time. 
followers of the devil and the seed of the woman, including us being in him. The greatest deadly conflict of all the time. Praise the Lord for his body. He is in the church. Nobody can silence the church. They can kill John Wycliffe. Remember what I told you? What you've read in history, in your country here? They burned his bone to ashes because they were scared that if they do a memorial, people will start doing pilgrimage and become even more popular. So they just burned it, throw it in the river. And as the river was going in every village with its ashes, there was revival. The blood of the martyr, the seed of the martyr, the blood of the martyr, the seed for revival. The greatest conflict of all the time. So it is Babylon versus Jerusalem, really. It is Chaldea versus Zion. You know what Zion is? Zion is a mount. It's a physical, geographical location upon which Jerusalem is built. So it's Chaldea for Babylon. But Chaldea, in the land of Shinar, that's where rebellion started. Guess what? Daniel and his companion resisted in that place yeah. for God. Because they purpose in their heart that they will not define themselves with the kings, the legacies. In the very birthplace of rebellion, God was with them. Even in the fire, the Lord delivered them. Wow, what young people who are determined for God. Young people who purpose in their heart. Not doing things for a nice service because parents are there now. Because of God Himself. Joseph in Egypt, his parents were not there. He said, Why should I do such evil to my boss and sin against God? They had God in their heart. They feared God. It's Babylon versus Jerusalem, Chaldea versus Zion, death versus life, hell versus new earth and new heaven. Is Janice and Jambres versus Moses? Is darkness versus light? Is Belial versus Christ? And the Bible warns us not to be put ourselves under an equal yoke with the unbelievers. I told you the other day how Christians. Say maybe for good reasons. You see, churches now have nothing to do with uh, evangelism, with edification. It's all about charitable work now. It's all about saving the environment now. To please the world. To get funding. That is being unequally yoked. To save the planet? Now, the charities, the founders of those charities, they do it out of, for ideological reasons. Worship Mother Nature. Well, it's a good thing to do. Save the planet. That's good. Recycle things. But to do it as an act of worship, believers should just be careful. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seat. Dear brethren, though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. 
Let's be careful. Okay, let's stop there for now. The throne of Satan, where it went. Let's move to the next one. What was the problem? Verse 14. But I have few things against you, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idol and to commit sexual immorality. Hmm, interesting. It wasn't the overall state of the whole church. Now, there were people within the church who held and promoted these things. It is to that group of people that the Lord says in uh, verse 16, Repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them. Against them. Against that group of people who are lowering the standard of the fear of God in the church. The Lord said, I will come and fight them. With what? With the soul from my mouth. The same with which the Lord will defeat the Antichrist. The brightness of his appearing and the sword from his mouth, he will deal with those who are working against God's purpose and will in his church. Those who are promoting, fighting the fear of God, dragging people into lawlessness, not only doing it but also approving those who do it. Like the word them is there. Them. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. God is to be feared in his house. Someone complains somewhere about someone and say, Oh. That's too harsh. I think that person has under problem. I say, what would you say about Jesus Christ, who was a church people? How would you diagnose Jesus Christ? If that's a condition, then it's a blessed condition. We say more in a minute. The Lord said, the zeal of the house of the Lord devours me. For God said, my house will be called the house of prayer, not the house of entertainment. No. Not the house of business. I know churches where everyone comes with a bag. Do you know why? Because they have things to sell. After that, people are selling shoes, are selling things. So they just wait till the end of the service to start selling the latest fashion. Every ladies in particular, big bags. Making the church of God a cave of thieves. The Lord doesn't want that. His house is to be called the house of prayer. Okay. 
the doctrine of Balaam. In Numbers, in Numbers chapter 24, 23 to 24, I'm not going to read that just yet, but that's where you find the story. You probably read it already. You may want to read it again at home to have a bit more details because we want to read all of it. In Numbers chapter 23 to 24, Balak, the king of the Moabites, was exceedingly afraid of Israel. Why? Because he had learned what Israel had done to other nations. So he was very afraid that Israel was now very close to his kingdom. He had to do something about that. He couldn't defeat them physically at war. He couldn't. They had to find another way of doing that. Enchantment. Sorceries. He wanted to use that to trap Israel because he couldn't defeat them. I like this expression. English is very beautiful. He was sick with dread. Oh. <laughs> he was sick with dread. You know the Ethiopian uh, queen, when she came to Solomon and she saw the reality of Solomon's life, the Bible said there was no more spirit in her. I like English. Very <laughs> good expression. So Balak was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. What did he do? Balak sent his messenger to call Balaam, asking him to curse Israel. You see, because he couldn't defeat them on the ground, he had to find other way. Use enchantment now. After several attempts to curse Israel fame, listen to what Balaam said. Well, a lot of stuff happened before that. You know, the donkey on which was riding spoke to him, and the Lord was there. You know, he struck the donkey, and the Lord was there. But I like the expression, the angel of the Lord. You know, that is called Christophany. Christophany. Some people call it Theophany. Christophany. That is the bodily appearing of Jesus Christ in his pre-incarnate state before. He's called the angel of the Lord with A capital. He was there. Doing what? Defending Israel. Himself there. Balaam, you know, the moving. The donkey goes like this, it's here. The donkey goes up, it's here. And the donkey says, but I see the Balaam say, no, no, I can't move. He's called the sword, I can't. The sword of the Spirit with which the Lord will judge those who cause lawlessness in his church. You know who the Moabite were. Now, after several attempts to curse Israel failed, Balaam declared this. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. 
There is no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. Why? Because the Almighty God is with them. The Bible says, Blessed our Father, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. Now, if God has blessed us with every blessing in the heavenly blessing, should we be scared of curse? Now, how can I curse whom God has blessed? No effect. In fact, Three initial attempts in sequences, really programmed, carefully designed, the first one, from high places where Balaam could observe and see the extent of Israel. Oh, notice, he could observe and see the extent. So that means very high in altitude, so that he could see the whole, the overall position of the whole congregation. But he tried and he failed. Oh, too far, too far. Then what? Second attempt. Barak said, no, 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 we're not going to give up. Let's go to another place. Okay. From another place where he could see only the outer part of Israel. Okay, see? When you're very, a bit closer, you can no longer see everybody. You begin to see a little bit just part, you know. That means he's approaching now, it's a bit closer. You see the outer part of it. You begin to see a little bit more. Fail again. Oh, fail again. What do we do? Changing strategy. What do we do? Okay. Balaam said, this time, I am not going to use sorcery. That is well. And this is a man who was faking. He was saying to God, I'm going to consult God and I will, oh, I will only speak what God asked me to say. And now he's saying, oh, this time sorcery is not working with these people. I'm not going to use sorcery. Fake prophet, diviner, enchanter. Changing strategy, not using sorcery this time, but flattery. Oh, if you read the poem he made, the poem he made about Israel is unbelievable. You know, Israel conquered, you know, Amalek, they did this, they did this, they did this. He said, this man is going to curse them. Why is he saying all this nice thing? Well, it was part of approaching flattery. What happened now? What does the Bible say? Now he can locate the position of each tribe. That's chapter 24. Ah, he can see distinctly each tribe. You see the tabernacle, the tribe were positioned strategically according to what God wanted them to do in the tabernacle. It was God who told them who will be in the east, who will be in the north, who will be, it was God. So now he can discern distinctly who is where. That means there's been a movement, penetration, infiltration is now closer. We now get to number chapter 25. Turn with me to chapter 25 now. 
And let's read from verse 1 to verse 3. Now Israel remained in Acacia. Some of you might have Shittim. And the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. Remember, Balak is the king of Moab. Some strategies begin to work now. The people of Israel begin to commit harlotry with the Moabite. Infiltration strategy. Is at work now. Verse 2. Mm. Those women invite the people to sacrifice to their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their god. So Israel was joyed to Baal at Peor, and the anger of the Lord was roused against Israel. Tragedy, sadly. First, harlotry. Second, idolatry. Third, bow down. And finally, joy. Because of sexual immorality. You begin to understand the problem in Pergamos, why God was not happy, why the Lord said, You have people among you who hold the doctrine of Balaam. Some people are very nervous. Doctrine, doctrine. Yeah, we have to talk about doctrine. Because we need to distinguish between the doctrine. What does the Bible say in Acts 2 42? They persevered in the apostles' doctrine. But then you have a whole lot of other doctrines. Doctrines of demon, doctrine of Bailam, doctrine of the Nicolaitan, all doctrines. So we need to be that doctrine only means teaching. But the new believers, they persevere steadfastly in the teaching of the apostles, in the doctrine of the apostles. Acts 2.42. In this case here, there was now a mixture. The doctrine of the apostles were being preached. At the same time, some people were very hard holding to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. What's there another name for that? Doctrines of demons. Which will be really prevailing in the latter days, the Bible says. We need to fight against that. What is the, what is the Lord's strategy to fight that? The word of God. He said, I will come and fight you with the sword from my mouth. That's the word of God. The doctrine, the biblical doctrine. Because all scripture is inspired. Guess what? To do what? What's the first one? Profitable for? Doctrine. Doctrine. That's the number one. 2 Timothy 3, 16. That's the number one. The word of God is inspired of God and profitable for doctrine. Then correction, reproof, that the man of God will be thoroughly equipped for the work. Thoroughly equipped. The church has the responsibility to teach these things so that we all prepare, so that we not we grow from child English. Childish, childhood, childlikeness. Good. 
We call to be childlike. Childhood is normal when you come to Christ. Then you are called to grow to maturity, but childishness, that worry. The beauty of English. This is the tra tragedy here. This is the problem. And God was not happy in the church of Pergamos because this is what people were teaching the belief. They were clinging on to this doctrine, 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 doctrines of demons. God said, I will come with my true doctrine and I will punish you. And I will judge you. If you don't want to stop that, sexual immorality. Well, the acacia, acacia growth, you know, some people have shit in, some people have, uh, what's that expression again? Ever, ever tree, evergreen, yeah, evergreen, something like that. And then you have in Jeremiah, you know, whenever they commit, you know, adultery, whenever they commit fornication, whenever they commit idolatry, they always undergrown a tree. And here, it was like a garden of green trees, just to do whatever they wanted to do. Guess what? Verse 25, verse, chapter 25, verse 1. Now Israel remained. They are called to move, not to remain. We are called to grow, not to go round and round. We are called to move. Because when we stay in one place, we are so static, we are likely to begin to back or sink. We are called to move forward with God. Guess what? Sheep. The word for sheep in Greek is probatum. Pro-battle, pro, before, battle firmly, moving firmly. That's a sheep. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They're going forward. It's dog who go back. Dog go back, but sheep go forward. Chapter 25, let's read on from verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the south, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. Verse 5. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Every one of you, Kill his men who were joined to bear at Peor. Verse 6. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. Verse 7. Now, when Phinehas the son of Eliezer, Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it. He rose from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hands. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. Verse 9. And those who died in the plague were 24,000. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, 
Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel, because he was zealous with my zeal among them, so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Verse 12. Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendant after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God, and made atonement for the children of Israel. Verse 14. Now the name of the Israelite who was killed, who was killed with the Midianite woman was Zimri the son of Salud a leader of the father's house among the Simeonites. Verse 15. The name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Gosbai, the daughter of Zoe. He was head of the people of the father's house in Media. The plague has been removed with a javelin that is a sword. The Lord is promising to the pagans people. Those people continue to challenge my righteousness in my place. I will come to them and I will fight them with the sword of my mouth. This is a picture of what happened. No wonder the Lord is referring to the doctrine of Balaam. Because that's where the full story happened. The remedy is the word of God. It's not opinion. And guess what? The word of God is the sword of the spirit. Is the sword of the spirit to fight lawlessness and disorder in the house of God. Have you read how many times the word zeal and zealous is coming back? People say, don't be too zealous. Says who? Why not? Wasn't Jesus himself zealous? We all work under the headship of Jesus Christ, but each one of us has the responsibility to be zealous for him and through Christ and for his sake. Have you noticed some details in what we just read here? The Lord is now bringing order. The Lord is now restoring order. The Lord is now releasing judgment. The fear of the Lord gained everybody's heart now. And people are mourning before the tent of the reconciliation of the, of the meeting. They are mourning. They are grieving. They are repenting before God. And Moses is there. Wow. A man comes with a Moabite in the sight of everybody. Mourning and crying and repenting, seeking God mercy. And before everybody, he goes inside the tents and commit whatever he wanted to commit. Now, now, Phineas said, No, not this. Someone needs to do something about this. Take the javelin, pick both of them. That's too harsh, that's too much. God said, I'm pleased with that. I'm pleased with that. And all those who were holding that doctrine, 24,000 in the same days perished. 
and God said, well done. And he gave him an everlasting priesthood. He said, because you've been zealous for me. Dear brethren, the fear of the Lord is the problem in the church today. In the body of Christ, everyone just does his own thing. Who are you? Says who? Is the question people are. Says God. I can do my own thing. As an elder, I and you, we all submit to the headship of Christ. But the fear of the Lord must be upheld in his house. Lest everyone come under judgment. Do you want to come under judgment? We don't want it. If anyone persevere in lawlessness, he will be judged himself. But people are repenting, mourning before God. And that man comes with cosplay right there and both try to picture the, the, the scene. People mourning and crying shamefully because of what they've done before God. And someone comes and gets into the tents and commit what they've not that. Okay. Now, that's the soul. In this account, Phineas, who was Aaron's grandson, was a priest. As such, he was allowed to eat the special food, the show bread. The Lord promises the hidden man to the overcomers. Promised the hidden man a special food. Phineas had access to that special food as a priest. He ate it before the Lamb's tent, that is the Holy Spirit. He came to know God and discern the will of God. And the Lord promised to give the same to those who fear his name. The hidden man, his revelation. To reveal himself to us in his greatness. The more the Lord revealed to us, the more we fear and revere and respect and love and worship him. Those who will stand for his righteousness and oppose strange fires and false doctrine, he will give the hidden man. Phineas understood the ways of the Lord. Because he was constantly in his presence, he ate the showbread in front of the lampstand. The showbread was specifically prepared for Aaron's children. Not only they learned the fear of the Lord, but they also learned uphold the norms of the sanctuary. Didn't Paul tell Timothy, if I delay, you should know how to conduct yourself in the house of the Lord, which is the pillar and the ground of truth. There is a way to conduct in the house of the Lord. There is a learning process how to conduct in the house of the Lord. It's not that how I am, that how I always be. You know, in our church we did this. Now, it's not about in our church, it's about God. Yeah. Everybody singing from the same hymn sheet. Another good expression from English. As a royal priesthood, remember we are royal priesthood? We are a holy nation, his holy special people. As a royal priesthood, we too need to learn to fear the Lord, to seek the Lord's sanctification and uphold His holiness by His grace. 
In this 21st century, the Lord is seeking more than Phineas, who are zealous for him, who will rise and handle the sword of the Spirit, that is the word of God, to stop the plague of lawlessness, to fight the doctrine of Baal, working against the Lord's will, teach and tolerate idolatry, sexual immorality, and cupidity. Remember, Balaam did that for money. Money preachers. How do we fight them? With the truth. That's the only way. Phinehas was uncompromised and knew how to handle his javelin. And to know how to handle the word of God. To be exercised by reason, the Bible says. By reason? No. It's not a contradiction with the Spirit. No. By reason, because reason is you, but we are called to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we may be, which means our reason itself is under the headship, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit permeates all our being, and we begin to see things from God's perspective. The Bible says, by being exercised, they are able to discern evil, good from evil. We can only do that by the word of God, who is the designer of everything. The Lord warns of such judgment for those who hold and promote the doctrine of Balaam in his church. What does the Lord say? What is the remedy? Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Who can fight God? Who can resist the wrath of God? And it's very terrible to fall under his judgment. No, we don't want that. The Lord provides various ministries in the church that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning, craftiness of deceitful plotting, that Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. Ministries were given in order to edify, to equip the church so that we should not be like children carried away, tossed to and fro by wrong doctrines. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly like that, thoroughly equipped for every good work, not sitting on the first day to be, no, thoroughly equipped. A disciple, let's finish there, disciple. I heard a lot about disciples. In every church I've been, discipleship, 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 as if discipleship was a special category of people needing special attention. We are all disciples. Discipleship, discipleship has four pillars. Every followers of Jesus Christ need to live by those pillars. Remain steadfast in the doctrine of the apostles, fellowship with the brethren, breaking of bread, and prayers. That's the starting point. All based on salvation. Be saved, take up your cross, follow Christ, and those four things are the pillars of discipleship. Why do people need necessarily special work with new believers to help them but at some point people need to grow the Bible says by this time you should be masters 
you disciple someone, you need to disciple that one as well, you need to disciple that one, that's how the, the, work, the work grows. A disciple is simply a born-again person taking up his cross and following Christ. He loves the Lord and perseveres in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers at Acts 2.42. This is discipleship and every believer is a disciple. The Lord did not send us to make Christians, but to make disciples. In disciple, there is the word discipline that is following Christ in the first place. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans, now, this, this is discipleship, and every believer is a disciple in this sense, and everyone should desire that. We are all called to grow in the Lord. Tolerating and accommodating the doctrine of Balaam is against the will of God, as it promotes sinful activity and ungodliness practice in the church. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans is the promotion of clerical hierarchy that lords over the church. Yeah, we have leaders in the church here lording over people, themselves doing their own things, you know, like the Pharisees lording over people, themselves not even touching it. They're standing on the door, they can't go back, they can't go forward, but stopping people who want to get in. That's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. But servant of the Lord must themselves instead humbly and safely lead the flock, but also serve the flock and serve the Lord. That's the biblical leadership. It's a servant leadership. God is love, that's true, but there are things the Lord hates, such as the doctrines of the doctrine and needs and deed of the Nicolaitans. May the Lord help us to be fully submitted to him and to seek his sanctification to grow in his might by the Holy Spirit to not tolerate strange fire and false doctrines of demons to live under Christ's headship the word of God must be fully taught received and honored for the word of God is living and powerful and sharp by any two-edged sword Piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and he is the discerner of the thought and intent of the hearts. Hebrews 4.12 He who has a need, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Let's pray. Lord, we bless you and we say thank you for the privilege you've given us, Lord. To learn these things. All sinners, therefore, we humble under your mighty hands. We ask for your grace. We ask that, Lord, we will grow increase in the fear of the Lord. The knowledge of the Son of God to the glory of the Father. Lord, we commit this congregation unto your holy hands. And we pray that, Lord, you yourself will deal with every spirit that works against your will and purpose. We are without discernment, Lord. Even the people in Pergamon did not even realize that they were in the headquarters of Satan, at the forefront of the battle. Lord, equip us, sharpen us, help us, prepare us, Lord, for the days ahead. We thank you, Lord, for faithful men and women in this place. And we pray that you continue to strengthen each one of us, Lord, as we eagerly wait for you, for your blessing, for your blessed appearing from heaven. 
Lord, we look to you. 45, strengthen us, Lord, we pray. Bless, Lord, this sheepfold, for you are the good, great, chief, divine and perfect shepherd of the flock. We give you praise and we give you glory. And commit the rest of our time together to your hand. Father, you say I know your works because you know all things. I pray, Lord, for my brethren here. In particular, Lord, those going through tough times, oh God. May you, oh Lord of compassion, be the answer. May you help, Lord. May you bring, Lord, a solution. May you bring comfort, Lord, as it is written. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comfort delights my soul. It is also written, he restores my soul. Lord, restore your people. Be with each one of us, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord God. As hard as this word may be, may we receive them gladly. May we, Lord, learn to fear God. It is written, seek sanctification and peace without which no one will see God. We give you praise and glory and want to submit to the headship of Jesus. We give you all the glory 